How are we doing, Revolution? Not bad. Uh, to, uh, we're talking about um, prayer tonight, and I'm going to need your prayers because I'm on just a couple of hours sleep. And to be frank, while watching the Bengals game, I hit a pizza way too hard. So, um, <laughs> and so let's try that again. How are you doing, Revolution? There we go. All right. Well, in the words of the poet Jerry Reed in the classic American film, Smokey and the Bandit, we got a long way to go and a short ways to get there. So open your Bibles to Mark. First chapter, if you're using the Blue Bibles, uh, that's page 600. If you've got your own Bible, we'll be looking at uh, Mark 1, 35 through 39. We'll be talking about prayer. And uh, by the way, if you've never been here before, one, welcome. I'm uh, Matt. I apologize if I didn't see, talk to you when you came in, but I am moving a little slow tonight. And, um, and so I just, we want to get through a lot of material tonight. But most importantly, we want you to remember this. This Bible here, if you do not have a Bible, or if you do not have a Bible that you read and, and just doesn't speak to you for whatever reason, um, take this Bible. It is our gift to you. The blue Bible under there is our gift uh, from Revolution to you. We've got plenty. We'll order more. Take it if you need one. That being said, if you're there on page 600 or just in Mark 1, 35 through 39, let's jump in and talk about the text, and then let's talk about prayer. And I'm going to try to make this as practical as I can, but there's a lot to get to. 135, um, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Now, that's important, and we're going to come back to that. Now, but be, I want you to think about something here, all right? Um, just because it's Jesus, you know, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's both. And so, if you're fully man, why, why, who gets up before sunrise, typically? You know, usually people with something on their mind, right? Okay, in the ancient Near East, if you were... Um, living in, in ancient Israel, if you were in a, an agrarian society, the way things rolled was your, your schedule was timed to the sun. Okay? When the sun comes up and the sun hits your face, you wake up. When it becomes pitch dark, you go to bed. And, that, and that's how it works. So if you're getting up before the sun rises... Right? That you're either disciplined to do that or something is on your mind or both. Right? I had one of those, one of the reasons I'm moving slow is I've had one of those weeks as a pastor where it just seems like one person after another's had a real, just come along and, and, and really broken my heart as a pastor. And, and you wake up in the middle of the night and you think about him and you cry about him and you pray for him and it just keeps you up. And, and Jesus probably did the same. 36. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. So if you're a disciple, you always go look for your master. You try to be with your master as much as possible. 37. When they found him, they said, everyone is, is, is looking for you. They were a little surprised that he's going off by himself to pray. Most Jews in that day, when they prayed, they went to the temple to pray. They recited the Shema, which was an, a, a Jewish prayer. They, they prayed that way. But Jesus repeatedly goes to quiet places to be by himself, and to pray. And because I have this prejudice as a Christian pastor that what Jesus does, he does right. Okay? Right? That we should learn from that. 
So that when we go, we do not count. We should not be like the Jews of the first century whose prayers were, you know, just these rote prayers that we say, bless this person, bless this person, forgive me for being bad, good night. Or, you know, thanks for this food. But to spend some time in quiet prayer, alone, in a place where it can be just you. And God, But Jesus replied, All right, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus comes to preach the kingdom. We'll unpack what that means as we go along. He preaches truth. He preaches why he is there. And as he goes, he heals people. He casts out demons. And one of the, one of the reasons he does that is because where the king is, no suffering will be with the exception of the cross. With the exception of when Jesus goes to the cross, the only time there is suffering around the king is when he takes suffering upon himself in our place for us. He takes the suffering we deserve for our sins so that we do not have to pay the penalty for them. And it is that, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that he has saved us from righteous punishment. Because any sin, I've said this before, I need to say it again, or if you're new, sin is not breaking the rules. If you were raised to believe that when you sin, you have broken a rule, then somebody has committed theological malpractice around you. It is not breaking the rules. When you sin, what you are doing is you are basically sinning, committing a crime against God. You are spitting in God's face. You are saying, I don't need you. I will call the shots myself. I know best. You are trying to take God's place. You are trying to de-God God. You are trying to take His place. You are trying to kick Him off His throne. You are wishing He was dead. That is what sin is. And so, because God is pure and holy and right and is love, to do that to God calls for the ultimate penalty, which is hell. But for those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, when Jesus goes to the cross, and the one time there is suffering and He takes it upon Himself, He saves us from that. So that anyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ, even though we're no better, frankly, at the end of the day, than someone who doesn't, we're saved from that. And this should drive us to love. This should drive us to love God even more. This should drive us to gratitude. This should drive us to live a life of thanks for what Jesus has done for us. And that includes prayer. That includes a serious amount of prayer. Now, what I'm going to present tonight in talking about prayer um, is very, very important. And I can say that it's important. I can say that it's right because I'm stealing it from wise people. Right? It's not mine. I'm taking it from people I know who know their stuff, specifically two people. Uh, one is a former theology professor of mine named Randy Harris, Abilene Christian. Another person is a guy named Mark Thibodeau, who's what's called a spiritual director. He helps lead people, teach them how to pray, how to fast, how to do those things. And so learn what I'm presenting to you tonight is from them. Right? And it's important that you get to know this. And, and I don't expect you to memorize it all, all of the notes that come from the sermon go up on my blog, the Pastor Matt blog, and you can just Google it and find it. And the notes will be there tomorrow from Thibodeau and Harris. And here's, what, here's my prejudice, all right? 
My prejudice is this. Having known people who spend serious time in prayer, and in fact, Mark Thibodeau will tell you, if you come to him and you say, how much time should I as a Christian spend in prayer? He will say, at least 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day. And you're saying, how can I pray for 30 minutes a day? Which we're going to talk about that. He quotes actually one church father, St. Francis, who said, every Christian should pray 30 minutes a day unless they're busy, and then they should pray an hour. Right? And, and here's what I have noticed about meeting people who do that on a regular basis. In fact, Randy Harris, who I'll be talking about tonight, Randy is a guy that on a regular basis, an annual basis, goes to a retreat center in, in, out in the desert outside of San Antonio, Texas, and he fasts and prays for 40 days every summer. Right? He doesn't eat all day long. He prays all day long. And he does that for 40 days. And he is the most peaceful, wise, deep person I have ever met. And I have this conviction that people who pray like this, who learn how to do deep prayer and spend at least 30 minutes a day in prayer, become like that. They become more peaceful. And here's what the world needs. Here's what you need. Here's what everyone around you needs. They need people at peace. The world needs people at peace with themselves, at peace with people around them. Too many of us cannot... We're all a bit ADD these days, right? I mean... How many of you have ever done this? You ever been with somebody and you're sitting there talking to somebody and they're doing this the whole time? Yeah, mm-hmm, right? I want to call them while I'm sitting across and say, hey, apparently this is the only way we can communicate, right? Or just start texting them when they're right there. Because this is how we are. We cannot concentrate. We're all over the place. We can't focus we're constantly being pulled in different directions. We are a frantic people who cannot concentrate. And as a result, we cannot help ourselves and others. We need to become people at peace. We need to become people who are deeper. We need to become people who listen. We need to become people of wisdom. And that means we need to learn how to pray. Because that's what it produces. All right, practical aspects of prayer, all right? Like Jesus, here's what you need to do. First, find a quiet place to pray. Every single day, you need to find a quiet place where you can be comfortable and pray. And you do need, it does need to be quiet if you can find it. I know for some of you, that is a serious challenge, right? If you're a stay-at-home mom, it's a serious challenge. I understand that. But you need to find a way to do this. In fact, you need to find a way. You need to find a way to get to that 30 minutes. We're going to talk about working towards it. I don't want you to start tomorrow with 30 minutes in prayer. You won't make it. You'll just become frustrated and you'll quit. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start with five minutes. Five minutes tomorrow. I want you to take five minutes of quiet prayer time tomorrow. Five. And then on Tuesday, I want you to take six. Wednesday, seven. Thursday, eight. Friday, nine. You get the picture? 
right? Until build up to you get to 30 minutes. And first you have to find that quiet, comfortable place. It shouldn't be so comfortable that it puts you to sleep though, right? This is not nap time. This is time for you to be with God. But you do need to find that quiet place. So you go there. And the first step you take is because you're sitting there going, how am I going to pray even for five minutes? I can list every single thing I know is going on in the world in two minutes. Then what? Here's why, the way I want you to start. Mark Thibodeau says there are four levels of prayer. Right? Ready? Level one is talking at God. Talking at God is basically using set, rote prayers. The Lord's Prayer, right? If, if you're raised in church, you remember the Lord's Prayer and the Gospels, that Jesus, that knowing the Lord's Prayer, you, we, you can start with rote prayers. If you were raised in a Christian home, you may have been taught a, a rote prayer, right? Now I lay me down to sleep, right? Thank you, Lord. All that kind of stuff. So you're taught these rote prayers. Um, my, one of my favorites is a rote prayer that St. Francis of Assisi would, would pray often. He would say, Lord, make me an instrument. You can find this anywhere on Google. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Find a rote prayer, and you can start that way, if nothing else, talking at God. You, that's how you can do it. Now, we do this in everyday life, and we do it for important reasons. How many of you have ever had this conversation? Hey, hey, have that conversation, right? Pass somebody, what's up? What's up? Right? Now, believe it or not, communication specialists will tell you you've had a conversation. Here's the conversation you've had. I know you. You know me. We have a relationship, but I don't have time to talk right now. Correct? Isn't that what you're doing? Right? You don't walk up to people you don't know in Kroger's and go, what's up? You don't, right? It's a good way to get arrested, okay? You only say that to people you know, right? You have a relationship. It's a, it's a communication. It's a, it's, a, it's a back and forth, all right? So these rote prayers to God are kind of like that. If you have no idea what to pray, if you're sitting there and going, how am I going to do this for five minutes? Start looking up rote prayer. Prepare yourself, right? Get the prayer of, of St. Francis of Assisi. Get the Lord's Prayer. And just start going over that. And then when you go over that and pray that to God, start going line by line and going, what does that mean? What does that mean? Why should I? And, and just start thinking about it. Start by talking at God. That's step one. But step two, step two is going to be the easiest and the hardest at the same time. And this is talking to God, not talking at God. Talking to God is you're going to actually talk to God like He's sitting there and you're having a conversation. Right? 
Now, this is very easy in one point. I mean, you're just sitting in a chair. You've got to find a nice, relaxing place, and you're sitting there, and you're just saying to God, you know, I don't feel good this week. I don't understand what's up with my job. I, you know, Lord, if you could help me with this. I'm really struggling here. It's that easy, right? But at the, so here's what you need to learn to do. The most important thing about talking with God is to learn to uncensor yourself. Because here's what you'll do. You'll start talking to God like He is an old woman, right, who gets easily offended. You know, you, you will start talking to God like some old lady who's like, I can't believe that dirty golden girls are still on the air. You know, something like that. Right? Now, you, you need to stop and think about who God is for a minute. Is there anything that happens anywhere in the world that God doesn't see? No. God has seen every horrible thing that has ever happened from the beginning of time. You really think you're going to shock or revolt God when God has seen every murder, every war, every assault, every, every father abuse their child. Every, he's seen it all. You really think you're going to offend Him? Quit acting like God is a sensitive old man or old lady and start treating Him like God. Start talking to God like He does, like He knows, because He does. Just talk. You, start, you need to learn to uncensor yourself so that, that you talk to God like a friend that you're no longer trying to put a front on and, and try to impress. We do that so often. I mean, how many people do you have in your life can you say that you are truly honest with all the time? Most of the time, we put on a happy face, we act like we've got it all together until we're absolutely falling apart and then they may see us shed a tear. Then they may see us get red-faced. Then they may see us get upset. But until then, we play a part. You're not fooling anyone and you're definitely not fooling God. Stop. So this is, in one sense, this is very easy. You can tell God anything and He's right there all the time. On the other hand, you need to tell God everything and quit acting like He doesn't know. You can't... Look, if, if the day before you lost it, right? And there's some person on 52 that's driving 15 miles an hour in the left lane and you come up behind them and they don't move and they're not turning, they just like the left lane. They've got two lanes, they like this one. They've heard somewhere about a passing lane, but that's probably just a myth. I like this lane. And you're in a hurry. And you've got people over here lined up, and you've got one old person here going 15 miles an hour. And so, you start the stuff that comes out of your mouth at that moment. Right? The stuff that comes out of your mouth, Cinemax would not put on the air. Right? And then you finally, you're sitting there and you, the old person looks up and they see you red-faced and just spouting. And they don't, they don't need to hear you. They know what you're saying. Right? I, watch, I, I try to watch every Reds game. And uh, a couple weeks ago, 
the bases were loaded, and Jay Bruce comes up, and as he always does, he tries to swing for the bleachers, always, and he strikes out, and he walked into the clubhouse, and he took his helmet, and he threw it, and there was no microphone on him, but everyone watching TV knew exactly what he said. Even my son. <laughs> right? And so this old lady looks up and she sees you saying something like that to where you don't need any volume, you know what you are saying. And you pass around them and they see your love wind sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you don't go to God and go, Dear Heavenly Father, yesterday I doth saith uncleaneth things from thy mouth. You just tell God that you messed up and you said some nasty things to a poor old lady who's scared to drive 20 miles an hour. Just confess it. Be honest. Say what's going on. Talk with God. You talk at God when you don't know what else to say. You go to the Bible, you go to Psalms, you go to the Lord's Prayer you don't, when you don't know what to say. Then you go and you talk to God and you just say whatever's going on in your life and you bring it all before God and you lay it out and you ask for wisdom and you ask for forgiveness and you ask for help. And you talk with God. That's easy and that's not so easy. The third step is where things get really hard. That's when you go to listen to God. Now, most of you, some of you are sitting there because you've been raised in possibly a Pentecostal background, you're nodding, and some of you are sitting there going, this guy is insane. God does not talk. God has given us the Bible, and he's gone to take a nap until he raptures us out of here, and that's it. And I believe God talks, maybe not audibly. If you read the book by Thibodeau, the, the, the book is called Armchair Mystic. And one of the things he says is that you will learn as you pray. The more you pray, the longer you pray, the more years you do this, the more years you rack up those 30 minutes at a time with God, you will grow to the point where you can understand God. It may not come in an audible voice. Most of you will never hear the audible voice of God. And thank God for that. Because in the Old Testament, those who did... How do I put this? Make some lemonade, right? I mean, it's just frightening. It's incredibly frightening when God speaks. Right? But He does communicate in other ways. And it, see, here's what happens. The more you pray... The closer you will get to God, the better relationship you will have with God. And the better relationship you have with God, the more you'll be able to understand each other without words. I have been married, it will be 14 years this December. I can tell how my wife is feeling by how she walks through the kitchen. Right? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You can look and see how your spouse is walking moving, and know exactly what is going on. They don't have to say a word. You know. Because you spent that time together. You just know. 
the more time you spend with God, the more you will just know. The closer you get to God in prayer, the more it will not be, ah, I can't tell if God wants me to do this or this. You'll know. You'll just know. Now, there's a danger in that. Here's the danger. You may not want to know. Right? My theology professor, Randy Harris, the guy who goes off and spends 40 days in the desert and prays, um, he committed himself in his 20s to being a single guy his entire life. He said, I'm going to give myself wholly and totally to the church and to teaching students. I'm never going to get married. I'm just going to serve God. And so when he said he was going off to the desert for 40 days and see what God had to say, we all told him the same thing. He's going to tell you to get married. Um, He didn't like that answer. You may not like the answer you get from God. There's no guarantee that just because you get closer to God, that somehow when God starts to speak to you, that you're going to like what he has to say. Sometimes he tells people like our friends Sean and Jendi Attlee, go to Africa. Now, that sounded good in theory until they went to Africa. Now, for those of you who know Sean, Sean is a big guy. He's a big guy partially because of genetics. He's a big guy partially because of Raleigh's drive through <laughs> And he will admit this. He will admit this. And so going to Africa, going to Senegal, Africa, here's the thing. Especially a Muslim part of Africa. There's not a lot of after-hours restaurants and fun to be had, right? And, oh man, most importantly, he's in a Muslim country, and like me, he loves bacon. Do you know how much, you, some of you don't understand how much of it is for a dude to sacrifice bacon. It's a big deal. But it's where God wanted him to go. So he goes. You may not always like what God has to say, but it will always be right. God does not make mistakes. He does not make mistakes. How do you listen to God? Because the fourth part is, You be quiet and just be with God. Here you're not talking, you're not listening. You're just learning to be quiet and be still. And believe it or not, there are people out there who have prayed long enough and done this for so many years that they can sit and be quiet and still and at peace for 30 whole minutes. Now, that takes time. In all likelihood, you're not going to get there in a month, a year, maybe not even in 10 years. It takes a long time to get to the point where you can pray to the point where you can just be with God. And being with someone, once you learn to love them, it doesn't matter if they talk back. It doesn't matter if you feel like they don't even acknowledge your presence. I told you the story a couple years ago about the president of Union College who 
when he found out his wife had Alzheimer's, resigned and decided to care for her full time. After caring for her for years, years, years of her not even being sure who he is half the time, the doctors came and said, this may be the end for her. And his prayer that he wrote in his journal, found after his death was, please don't take her from me, Lord. She is precious to me. You say, how could you pray to stay with somebody who doesn't even know who you are, doesn't even seem to acknowledge your existence? How can you be in that kind of relationship? Because you love them. Right? What I'm talking about is growing so close to God that you can spend that time with God, even if He never speaks to you, you can spend it with Him just because you love Him. That's it. And this takes work, and this takes time. What I'm asking you to do is to work towards 30 minutes a day. And here's what you have to do in order to do that. You have to structure your day around that 30 minutes, not the other way around. You can't just say, well, I'll see when I have 30 minutes, then I'll give it to God. You have to put God on your calendar and see if there's anything important enough to knock him off. Right? That's what it takes. And it takes work. And you say, what if I get bored? You will get bored. Of course you'll get bored. I was shocked when Randy Harris told me, he said, they gave him a monk as an instructor at this place where he goes. So after he's prayed all day long, when he goes, they sit there and they drink water. They may not eat, but they'll drink. And so he's sitting there and he's drinking water with his monk. They're sitting on a rocking chair. Not allowed. There's no TV, no radio, no cell phones. No, he's allowed to take his Bible and nothing else. And he's just sitting there with his Bible and a monk, drinking water, rocking chair. And he said that he kept asking his monk questions. And sometimes the monk would respond and sometimes the monk would not respond. He said he got to the point where he thought that getting information from a monk is only slightly less difficult than getting it from a spy. Right? And so he's sitting there with this monk and he's asking him questions and he's asking questions. You know, what? He goes, you know, I know you don't get bored. And the monk started laughing. He said, of course I get bored. He said, why do you get bored? You're a monk. This is your job. This is what you do. You have no TV. You have no cell phone. You have no wife. You have no kids. What have you got to do but pray and listen to people like me in the rocking chair? How can you get bored? This is your whole existence. He goes, I don't know. I do, though. He says, well, what do you do when you get bored? He said, realize I get bored and tell God, I'm bored. (laughs) And he says, what does God say? God says, yes, you're bored. We start talking about why I'm bored. We just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge it. If you are one of those people who follow NASCAR for some reason, don't quite get it, but I tried. I watched Inside NASCAR at Showtime last week. I still don't get it, but something about points and whatever, I don't know. Anyway, so 
It looks all the same. It all looks like stock footage from the movie Days of Thunder. Um, <laughs> but if you're following this, or you're like me, and you follow the red since the big red machine was around, or you're, you know, or whatever, and, and you're just, your mind wanders. We're not talking about bored now. Now we're just talking about I can't focus. Even after I've been doing this, I've got to my 30 days. I've got my rote prayers. And for some reason, I just cannot get quiet enough to pray. I cannot, in my mind, get quiet enough to pray. What do you do? Two things. Two things. The first is the most obvious. You tell God, God, I can't seem to get quiet and pray. Again, not the old lady, right? God, God already knows that you're distracted. Just tell him, God, why is it I can't stop thinking about NASCAR? That's probably a good discussion to have with God. I would encourage that. You may not like the answer you get, but I encourage that discussion. So, the second one is this. Sometimes what you need to do is you need to quiet yourself. And the way you can do this sometimes is simply a simple mantra, a simple word. Sometimes among the monks, if you go to a, a Catholic retreat center, which, which Protestants can do, Right? I may disagree with the Catholic Church theologically, but I can knock on a monastery tonight and say, I need a place to stay, and they'll welcome me in. Did you know that? And if you ask them, how, how, can you teach me how to pray? Can you teach me? They will. They have this belief that angels, that people under, can entertain angels unaware, that you could be an angel. And it's a bad idea to slam the door in the face of an angel. So they welcome in anyone, and they talk to anyone. And sometimes they'll just they'll say, how about this? I'll give you a word. Sometimes they'll give you a word. Sometimes they'll give you a phrase for you just to repeat over and over again until you chase all of that crap out of your mind and you can concentrate and focus. Pope John Paul had a phrase. Pope John Paul, when he would sit down to pray, would say over and over again in Latin, because he's the Pope. I don't know Latin. But he would say, what he would say in Latin was, completely yours. Over and over again, John Paul would say, completely yours, completely yours, completely yours, completely yours, until he was quiet enough that he could start to really pray. And sometimes he would say, completely yours, so he drove himself crazy, and he realized he had to go to God and go, ain't happening today, Lord. And so then you move back from the being with God or listening to God, and you go back to talking. And that's okay. And you thank God for the grace that He's not going to zap you dead for doing this. Sometimes, I swear, we have this weird idea in Christianity that if we start like a spiritual discipline, God turns into the emperor from Star Wars, and if we give Him the wrong look, He's going to zap us. Right? Exactly. That's not going to happen. God is a God of grace. Just acknowledge. You just go to God and you say, it's not happening. It's that simple. But that's how you do it. Find a quiet place. Find, commit five minutes tomorrow. Start talking at God. Then start talking with God. And maybe you just try to listen to God for ten seconds. And then the next day you do six minutes and you just extend this and you work towards this. 
There is nothing worth doing that does not take this kind of work. Nobody runs a marathon. Look, you know, I may want to run a marathon really badly, okay? But I eat so much pizza and chips that I would throw up after three miles if I tried, if I don't work every day at it, right? You have to work every single day to grow closer to God and away from all the crap that surrounds us, you have to work as well. You just have to work at it every single day. That's why I call it a spiritual discipline. We're going to see, if you work your way through the Gospels, Jesus sometimes prays all night long. Now, as, as, as every other preacher I've ever heard says, if Jesus has to pray that long, how long do you think you need to pray? Right? Half an hour a day. 30 minutes of quiet. And here's why. Here's how I'll end. I told you about my friend Randy who goes to the spiritual retreat center and, and, and spends 40 days in fasting and prayer. He said he noticed something. When he got back, we were all very anxious to hear about what had happened. And he said that really the only thing that happened was he learned to pray longer. That's all he really thought as he left the monastery. Until his first stop, believe it or not, was at a San Antonio Walmart. Because after 40 days, what he really missed was M&M's. So he went to a Walmart and got one of those massive, like, 5,000-calorie bags of M&M's, right? And on the drive back to Abilene, Texas, like a four-hour drive, he's just downing M&M's as he goes. But as he goes into the Walmart, he realized something. Before, on his way down, when he'd go into restaurants or something, he'd get annoyed with people, right? Somebody's taking too long ordering food. You ever been in the line at McDonald's and like, it's McDonald's, lady. Why is this taking so long? What are those people at ATM spending 15 minutes there doing? Do they know you can't apply for a mortgage at an ATM? They're there forever. And he would go and he would sit there and he'd be in line. He'd get irritated with people. And he'd be like, oh my gosh, will you please just hurry up? But then after 40 days of praying, what he noticed when he walked into the Walmart, when people would bump into him, when people would just ram their cart in front of him, when people would be rude, you know what he thought? I miss these people. I love these people. He had really gotten to the point where he loved these people. No matter how rude they were, no matter how offensive they were, no matter how nasty they were, he missed them and he loved them. Don't you think that's what the world needs? Don't, don't you think that's the kind of friend you need to be, the kind of, the kind of father, the kind of son, the kind of brother, the kind of daughter, the kind of mother? There's a, the kind who really loves people? Prayer will do that to you because the closer you get to God, the more he makes you like his son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for prayer. We pray that we become people of prayer. Perhaps we don't pray because we don't really believe it'll do anything. Perhaps we pray because we're just, we can't get our minds wrapped around that you would really listen to us. Perhaps we don't pray for all kinds of reasons, but... I hope that everyone here will now commit to prayer. Just five minutes and grow. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will be there with them and help them as they go to six minutes and seven minutes. 
May they recite those prayers. May they recite whatever words or phrases they need to quiet their minds. May they honestly talk with you every day. And then may they listen to you. And may they get to the point where they're just with you because they love you. And as the closer they get to you, may they love other people. May they become people of peace and wisdom and depth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.